Ever feel like you've got to get your should together? Is your should about to hit the fan? Have you been sitting in your shoulds for most of your life, wondering if you could be more, see more, do more? Welcome to Shut the Should Up with Candace Payne and Jenny Randall. We're both authors and speakers who want to stomp out your flaming bag of should. With a whole lot of faith together, let's sort through the pain, purpose, and promise to find freedom in the things we tell ourselves we should and should not do. Because there's so much more in you. This episode of Shut the Should Up was created in partnership with Open Arms International, helping children in Kenya experience the hope of the gospel and the love of a family. Learn more at openarmsinternational.org. Hey, hey, welcome hey. to Shut yes. the Should Up. We're, yes, yeah, yeah. We're fully in, fully in. <laughs> okay, so today's, today's topic is about how you should love like Jesus. And we actually have our yeah. friend and a special guest with us today. So let's welcome Rebecca yes. Bender to the show. Yes, oh, Rebecca I'm so Bender. to be here. Oh my goodness. I can't even tell you how exciting this moment is for me. Um, You are one of our real life friends and we cannot tell you how excited we have been about having you on the show. I need to tell everybody about who you are though. And so I'm going to just do this because I love awkward moments. Let's read your bio. I wish I, I wish I created a jingle so we don't have one. So this is going to suffice. Read your bio. Here it is. Yeah. Your mom usually writes it. No, I'm kidding. Always like, you feel like it's your mom bragging to someone about you. You know, they're like the most awkward thing ever. That's right. That's right. Okay. After escaping nearly six years of human trafficking, Rebecca Vender received the kind of restoration that only God provides. Now an award-winning social entrepreneur, she is the CEO and founder of the Rebecca Bender Initiative, a nonprofit that works with law enforcement, FBI, homeland security, and aftercare programs to provide expert testimony, trainings, and consultation across the globe. She's also the creator of Elevate Academy an online school for women who want to pursue the call of God regardless of their past. Rebecca has earned her master's in Christian thought from Bethel Seminary and enjoys influencing culture by teaching biblical truths for various audiences. Now, Rebecca and her husband, Matt, live in the Pacific Northwest with their four daughters and her memoir, In Pursuit of Love, released just a few weeks ago, and we have her here. Let's get started to find freedom from all of the things that we should and shouldn't believe about the way that we should love. And Rebecca, seriously, thank you for being our guest today. To say that we're honored is an understatement. Thank you. Well, I'm so excited to be here. It's just cool when you get to know when it is your friends that you get to come on their podcast with. And what's so funny about getting my degree, I just last May is when I finally finished it. It took me four and a half years. It was a three-year program. It took me four and a half. Um, Sounds about right. Yeah. <laughs> and not like, I, you know, not like we all don't have other things going on, uh-huh. right? But um, most people are like, what's Christian thought? And I'm like, I don't have a clue either. So sometimes <laughs> I, I end up saying like biblical studies because it really was like a concentration in biblical studies. So, so cool. I actually thought of even emailing the dean and being like, no one knows what Christian thought is. Should we change the title of the degree? <laughs> you would, you would email the dean. I, I always, would. 
I always joke with Rebecca, like, I really feel like she's God's go-to girl. Like, I feel like he will give other people God assignments and they're like, eh, I don't have time for that. But he's like, okay, I'll go to my go-to. Rebecca got it. She'll got this. She'll, <laughs> she'll do this. She'll get this done as an Enneagram three. Am I right? Yes. 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 Hashtag Enneagram threes. We just believe that policies are there to be changed and modified and we can take a vote. It's really not a big deal. <laughs> you know, I actually kind of love that. If you're not on the train of change, I don't know what you're doing in life. Train like, of for change. Real. Train of change. Yes. Won't he do it, y'all? Time and time again, won't he do it, y'all? Come on, won't he do it, y'all? Won't he do it? In this segment, we're going to highlight your reviews and celebrate how God's using this podcast to make an impact. Yes. Nina Sinpa. <laughs> feels right. That feels right. Gave us five stars and said, I thought I had my should together. Thanks to Jenny and Candace for presenting the love of Christ in this awesome podcast. Having just turned 70 a short time ago, I thought I had all my shoulds together. Wrong. These girls have opened my eyes to see my should in a whole new way. Their humor is delightful and their honesty is refreshing. I'm enjoying each segment of the podcast and I'm looking forward to more sparkles from these gems. Oh. Aww. Thank you. Oh, I think so I yeah, don't her. forget if you love us as well and whether you're 70 or seven, leave us a review. So go to Apple Podcasts or however you listen and tell us about all your shoulds and all the things. It really is amazing the things that we tell ourselves that we should and shouldn't do. The things that we constantly play on repeat in our heads. Come on now, what do we say? Rebecca, In Pursuit of Love is your new book. It's one woman's journey from trafficked to triumphant. And listen, this is a time where we just want you not to really give away everything in the book, but can you expand in um, a short way of telling us what we're going to expect when we get into your story? What are some of the main points that our listeners will find and discover as they pick up your book? Yes, this is so fun. So I was on a flight um, and I had my book with me because we were going to something and the lady next to me is like, oh, I love to read. What's that? And I said, oh, it's, it's just, I didn't say it's me, right? Because you feel awkward, like it's my book. So your face is all over the cover. (laughs) Well, yeah, but my, I had turned it so you couldn't see that it was me because I was that like, and honestly, you must, some people were thinking, why don't we just have it in your bag? Well, I was supposed to find all the quotes for our social media, right? So I thought, oh, I'm going to take this flight. I'm going to kind of flip through the chapters and find some quotes that we can put on graphics. Anyway, the yeah. lady's like, oh, what's it about? And I said, oh, it's a memoir on trafficking. And she was like, ooh, yucky. And she <gasps> did that face at me. And I was like, well, I definitely don't want to tell her it's my story now. That's awkward. <laughs> oh, my gosh. But I think what people's misconceptions are about the book is that this is actually a really, I find it to be like a really gritty true crime. So if you like true crimes, if you Mm. like watching true crimes, if you like reading, you know, true crime books or podcasts or TV shows, then you're going to love the first half of the book because it's all this gritty true crime that happens in America. And people are like, oh my gosh, this answers all of the questions of why Mm. victims don't run. 
But the second half of the book for me was this really hopeful journey of like how God actually pursued me through all of my despair in the depths of sin, in the literally like the, the lowest of the low that you can get in regards to mm. you're being trafficked, right? I mean, like that's, that's, that's the nice way to say you're forced into prostitution. Like I was a mm. prostitute for six years. I mean, I'm, we're being real, like mm-hmm. we're being real about that. And so God pursued me and it came, he ended up like just transforming my life and delivering me from drug addiction. And so I hope that it inspires people that regardless of what you're going through, you've been through, maybe Mm. you have a child who strayed, there is hope. There's hope in the pit of hell that God is there and he's pursuing us. And I found um, people's responses to be so far really encouraging that no one has felt like, ooh, yucky when they actually read it. So Mm. I hope that people will jump in and um, be enlightened on the issue of human trafficking in America, learn a lot, but also leave really hopeful and inspired Mm. that God is still in the business of changing lives. This isn't something we all just say cliche. Like he truly is doing that with people every single day. Already. I I just want to feel like for those of our listeners right now that you're like, okay, true crime, I'm in 100%. Jesus doing remarkable things in 100%. And some of y'all are on the side that you're like, "Uh, I would have been the lady that said yucky and I don't want to admit it. Um, Here's the deal. You can only find yourself um, free to the level of information and education that you allow yourself to dive into. And I feel like a lot of things that are trapped within our culture are just because they're not talked about. That that and one of the the lines that's on the back of your book jacket that I love it says how you give us ways that are practical to walk from being imprisoned to empowered. And I would say that that <laughs> far beyond ways um, further than anybody that can say Ew, yucky. I don't want to I don't want to dive into the topic. Um, this is where I'm just going to um, challenge our listeners. Maybe when we're thinking about what you should and shouldn't do through this podcast, maybe a good way to start off all of season two, all of the things that we're wanting to bring to our listeners is simply this. Maybe you should dive a little bit deeper into areas of conversation that you haven't dove into before because there's abundant freedom there. And I would say that your book is is a great starting place. If you're an introvert and you're like, well, I'm not doing that with anybody else but myself. Well, why don't you go ahead and read the story first and see if you can just um, face that in all honesty and um, and and see what comes from it. Because I, I dare say you're going to find yourself on the side of empowerment. Yeah. And I, I think we tried, at least I tried really hard and I know our editors worked really hard at, it's not like just smeared with all this content that you're like, oh, it's too graphic. We worked Mm. really hard to protect your heart through it that we didn't, I know, and I've been in situations where you can't unread things. Mm. You can't forget about what you read. And so we were really thoughtful around ensuring that we're, we're careful with our messaging. It's not overly graphic. It's almost just like a PG version of trafficking so that people didn't feel like, oh, it's too much. I don't like that kind of stuff. I can't get into it. We, we were really careful throughout it. So, you know, feel free to tiptoe in, but mostly it's really the story of hope. It's a story of how, what God can do in anybody's life who has felt trapped. You might not relate with being trafficked, but we all can relate with feeling trapped, trapped in a hopeless job, trapped in yeah. maybe your dreams are not going the way you thought they were. 
trapped sometimes in toxic mm. friendships where you're like, wow, I'm really growing, but my friends aren't. And I don't want to be that girl, but I don't know how to pers- really pursue the call of God. And so what do you say? Like we've all mm. felt trapped and this book helps people to break free and get out of imprisonment and to empowerment to go do all God has for you. Like live with no regrets. Come on. It's so good. One thing I love about you, Rebecca, is that you walked through such a story and obviously God took you through it and you're on the other side. And not only are you sharing it, but you're using it as an example and bringing awareness. I know you've taught me a lot um, about trafficking, but you're also impacting government. You're a voice for FBI. Like, can you share, I don't know how much legally you're allowed (laughs) to share, but can you share like, I don't know, a story that we would never expect. (laughs) Such a loaded Mm -hmm. question, right? So many. You're like, where do you begin, right? (laughs) I'm so blessed to be used by God. I mean, I know we all feel like that. And Mm. and sometimes I I think I struggled in the beginning with feeling like being used by God meant only missionary, preacher, worship leader. Those are your three options. And to realize that God moves us so much into the marketplace and to meet people who work for the FBI that went through YWAM. And actually, I know one person who was recruited out of YWAM and now is very high up in FBI. And God is putting people in positions where you can really impact the world and you can really impact people's lives. And sometimes that's outside of the four walls of the church. And so I, I just feel honored to really be used by God and then also have to wrestle in my own heart of like, but is this ministry? You know what I mean? I don't know. Maybe mm. no one, maybe I'm the only one that's ever felt like that about their job, but um, I'm guessing not. So <laughs> <laughs> one story I will share, I sit on a committee. It's a presidential advisory committee. Something that people don't realize is that the legalization of prostitution is trying to be passed in our country. Seven mm. states actually have it on the ballot and almost every presidential candidate is considering adopting policy just like how marijuana has become legalized in multiple states. um, That's what a lot of people are pushing for in in different states. And so that's been a real fight to kind of push back the hypersexual culture that's just been continually encroaching on us. And as parents, anyone who has, you know, Mm -hmm. someone they love that's the next generation, I think it's really important that we learn about the issues that are going to affect our kids Um, some people say, I only have sons, Uh, you know, that's a girl's issue. And I would respond by saying, you know, the number one buyer in the world is American Mm. men. So Mm. how are we raising our sons to not fall for this really hypersexual culture that we live in? How do we teach them to respect and, and honor uh, women and children? I have a good friend. We were just talking the other day and she's like, I have to teach my son, you turn your head away. Because the billboard isn't changing. The picture in the window dressing at the mall isn't going away. The commercial isn't changing. You are responsible for your eyes and you can turn away. And mm. I just loved that because I don't have sons. So I'm like, I don't even know what to teach boys. I have girls. So <laughs> hearing from moms of boys has been really cool to hear how they're teaching their sons to, to protect and defend mm. and not objectify and exploit. One thing that I know that we have been discovering is that our nine-year-old right now, when he was eight, already knew the term pornography and the definition of it, although he'd never seen it. Um, we we heard a little quote from one of the film. It was a film that you would take your family to, and there is a scene where they're making fun of pornography or that they're looking at pornography. 
And I thought, well, I'm going to let that just kind of gloss over because he doesn't understand that. And uh, my son goes, oh, I know what that means. And I'm like, you don't even know what sex means. How in the world can you know what they're watching if you don't know that? I mean, we are in a culture and a time where hypersexualized is is an understatement. I mean, there, we need to be vigilant about what we're consuming and taking in and supporting. And I think as a mom of a son, the only thing that we've really been able to, where he's at in his age, have him understand is not just the value of a human life, but also the trickery that happens with anything that delights you and, and sends your senses into a whirlwind. Like we try, we try not to ignore that that's actually a physiological response that your body's going to have, but it's a tricky response that you don't, you don't have to lean into. You don't have to respond to, and you don't have to give into. Um, I think we're actually empowering our children by letting them know that you have the ability to do with whatever emotions or physiological things are happening to your body or your mind. It's that fruit of the spirit, self-control, that we forget to honor and elevate and bring out. I feel like that's huge for our generation coming up behind us is, is just to learn the value of what self-control is. Man. That's so good. That's like a parenting book. That's what's your next book, Candace. <laughs> Taking notes. What a great tip for parents. I mean, yeah. I just, I'm going to go home and have a talk with yeah. my daughters about just how do we strengthen fruit in our life? One thing I say mm. a lot is, is we obviously my book's titled In Pursuit of Love. And so we ask the question a lot to people of like, well, what are you pursuing? You know, I pursued mm. this, it got me into trouble and then God pursued me. But what are you pursuing? Because whatever you practice gets stronger. You know, if I practice yeah. gossip, it's going to get stronger. If yeah. I practice being critical, it's going to get stronger. But yeah. if I practice my gift of prophecy, it grows. If I practice kindness, and gentleness and responding kinder, I get better and better. And so how do we strengthen the fruit of self-control in our children? And I loved these tips of having the talks of like, you don't actually have to get in. You can take your thoughts captive. You can subject mm-hmm. them to Christ. You can, that's, you know, that's the whole, that's the whole Bible. You can, like, yeah. Yeah. Well, and there's so much shame on this topic. If we're being honest, that's why you get the response of somebody going, Ooh, yucky. It's because there's shame that surrounds it because we don't know what to do with when our body enjoys sex or the ideas of sex or, or we get turned on by images that we see or the thought of being, uh, oh my gosh, illicit in a relationship. Do you know what I mean? Like we have to acknowledge that those things are actually gratifying to our bodies, but the scripture teaches us, don't think about how to gratify your sinful nature, but think about how to be satisfied. You know, the, the things that I'm wanting to instill in myself along with my children is to learn how to actually be satisfied more than gratified. So friend, this is a book that's well needed in our generation and for generations to come. I, I, I think we're only, you know, hitting the tip of the iceberg on this conversation. And I'm glad that you're a forerunner for it. Thank you. I'm nervous. So Rebecca, you've mentioned a few times how God pursued you. And I'm just curious, we hardly touched the surface of your story, like Candace said, um, but can you just share a glimpse of one of one of the situations that happened where you really felt the love of God in the midst of all the stuff you were going through? Yeah, there was one night, and I, I share this in the book, there was one night that I was leaving a hotel in Las Vegas uh, with another girl from the escort service. We were both traffic victims, had two different traffickers leaving what we would call a call. Um, 
language is tricky, right? Because we want to call it what it is. We don't want to sugarcoat it. I know working one of my first cases, the prosecutor kept saying dates. And I was, I wrote her a little note and I'm like, stop sugarcoating this for the jury. This is sex for sale. This is not coffee in a movie. Right. And so, so I was leaving this hotel with this other victim and she said, Hey, can I talk to you for a minute? And I thought this girl's going to try to rob me. Like people rob each other a lot in Vegas. When times get slow, traffickers will actually wait outside of your car down at, at the front of your bumper. And when you come out of your out from the hotel, they'll just pull up, jump out with a gun and rob all of your money. Um, it's a, it's a, it's, it's an illicit business, right? And so there's a lot of crime that happens within human trafficking. It's not just the trafficking component. Mm. And so you're always taught to kind of watch your back, be careful, have pepper spray in your hand, look, you know, park close to elevator doors, blah, blah, blah. And so she says, can I talk to you? And I thought, oh, this girl's going to try to rob me. And I said, yeah, for a minute. And we stepped to the side and she said, I don't know if you know God, but I have this overwhelming feeling that I need to tell you that Jesus loves you. And I started bawling hysterically, Mm. like couldn't contain myself. And I remember hiding my face in my hands and I felt like my head was being pushed down to like a bowing position. She put her hand on my shoulder and she said, do not be afraid. God wants you to know that he loves you, but this path you're on is about to kill you. And I got in my car and I just cried and cried and I thought, man, I am high. <laughs> like, that's what I thought. Mm. Um, later on, I get saved. And I remember opening the Bible for the first time and kind of like the daily bread reading, read your Bible in a year calendars in the back of one of those daily breads. I was in this Christian rehab. And I open in Exodus and there's the story when the spirit of God passes by Moses and it says, and he hid his face in his hands. And a few verses later, the spirit of the Lord says to Moses, do not be afraid. And I just sat there shocked, like, how is it that, wait, no, what, that, it, you know, like, this book was written thousands of years ago. How is it it's the same exact language that I had that day? But what I loved about the, the thought of this is that someone in the midst of their sin, a prostitute, was used by God as a mouthpiece to reach another person that God desperately wanted to pursue and let that wrap around your brain theologically, right? Like that breaks Mm. sometimes what we think about like sin separates us from, from God. And yes, it does. And yet somehow God has to reach sinners, right? And somehow yet he wants to tap on the heart of people who don't even know him. How do we expect him to do that? If we think and believe that God can't ever talk to people that are in sin, but he does, he pursues them. And so that's just one time of many that God did that throughout the six years that I was being sold in this underground world of crime. One of many times that he kept pursuing me. And I thought, is this God thing real? Is there, is maybe the God that my grandma used to teach me in Sunday school, is he maybe actually real? And uh, when I finally ran for my life, it set me on this journey to figure out if there was a power greater than myself and who and what was that that kept trying to pursue me throughout throughout my time in, in Vegas. Whew. I'm over here. We're all wiping away our tears. I mean, thank you for sharing that. 
I know it go, you share more in the book and it's again, guys, it's called in pursuit of love. And we throw around this term, like, does God love us? And it can be so fluffy. It can feel so fluffy sometimes, but to hear your experience, like, man, God's love, it really is a pursuit. And I appreciate you for sharing. Um, I'm sure, I mean, we could talk for hours about how hard perhaps it was to write your story, but you know, um, Rebecca, when you were saying that our sin separates us, but yet we have to have a savior, we have to have somebody dive into our sin to rescue us. It's like a light bulb went off in my mind all of a sudden of the verse where it says that he who knew no sin became our sin so that we can become the righteousness of God. I mean, you you just described this beautiful encounter of a God that not only meets us in our sin, but actually wraps in it to be able to speak righteousness over us. I mean, that if that wasn't a more clear example of the pursuit of love from a God that loves us to say, you are in the midst of the most heinous of things that I know that you feel. They may not be the most heinous to him. Let's just be honest. <laughs> but he still says, I, I, I've been here. I became sin so that you can become righteousness. And that pursuit is it's overwhelming. If you really think about it, it's overwhelming. Like when I think of the psalmist that said, who, who is man that you are mindful of me? It's not just mindful. It's, it's like he's pursuant to the point of I'll take on your very worst to give you the very best. Thank you for sharing that. <laughs> Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. I, it, what's funny is sometimes I'll be out with friends and a new friend will come up to the table or if I'm, you know, in a new city and I'm visiting with someone I know and they want to bring their friend. And then they're like, so tell us what you do. And I'm like, I ruin a dinner party really quickly. Let's just <laughs> keep having fun. <laughs> and it's not ruined, but I mean, it is, not it all. is a hard topic. And it, I think when you get, when you mm. really start talking about just how incredible God is in his pursuit of us and I don't want to throw that word around just so cliche because it's in the title mm -hmm. of my book, but really like how God goes after us and then how he continues to transform your life. It's not like bibbity bobbity boo you're saved and suddenly you have all this Christian <laughs> godly character and righteousness. Like, no, nope, I was in the church with some baggage. And I mean, like pull up the U-Hauls. It's a long load. You know what I'm saying? And so, yeah that journey of transformation that God's so gracious with us in, and he gives grace. He's like, I know that you've lived through a fire. You're going to smell like smoke. Like there's grace for you to smell like smoke for a while until you figure out that this is smell isn't normal, right? Like you become so accustomed to your own yeah. character and what, what has happened because of what you've been through that you just think it's normal. And, and it doesn't have to be like, you actually can change your character. You can change things about yourself that, that the world has made you think is normal. And, and that's actually, it, it can get really heavy really quick when you talk about it, but yet there's this, this, it, this empowering feeling of like, God can do it. Whatever you're struggling in, whatever mountain sits in front of you, he is no respecter of persons. What he did for me, he will do for you. He will do for your child. He will do for your lost son that's out right now, like shooting up heroin and you're praying for him every day. God can do for him what he did for me. I promise. Like mm. he can. 
And it's not going to look the same. It might look very different, but you can trust God's process with, with your, with your mountain, with the thing that's, that's really um, weighs heavy on your heart. You can trust, you can trust him in that process. You called in with your questions. You shared with us your shoulds. We just want to listen. And maybe we can do some good. You said what? One thing that we love about our podcast here is that it's interactive. And we just feel like we're hanging out with the community of people that follow along and listen because of the, the amazing feedback that they leave us. And we get to hear about your should shows and the things that you've been loving as well and questioning as well. And we went to the internet webs and we asked our listeners what questions they would have for you. So we're just curious. Um, are, are you capable and able and willing, <laughs> willing to answer some questions that you have no clue what's coming at you right now? Let's do it. Okay, I let's good do improv. it. All right. Michelle asked, what kinds of conversations do you have with your kids? Like, how do you actually educate them without scaring them to death? Yes, this is great. Well, I felt like we just got some great tips from Candace on how to continually, you know, build self-control in your children, boys and girls. But two things that I think are really important. One is human trafficking, according to FBI, less than 5% of trafficked victims are kidnapped. So stop worrying and spreading misconceptions about like, oh, someone looked at me crazy in Walmart. I think they're traffickers. Like, okay, let's stop. Mm. Because mm. this is like the boy that cried wolf and it's getting crazy town. So let's, let's actually learn the signs. And the thing that I would encourage parents the most is internet safety. 33% mm. children are trafficked are lured off the internet. Lured. It's not stranger danger. It's not a white minivan. It's not puppy and a candy in a back seat. This is internet safety. And so while it might not be trafficking, it's never going to hurt to teach your kids internet safety. Could be a predator. It could be a bully. It could, there's so many things online nowadays. It could be a trafficker that's commenting on your kid's photo, sliding into their DM, telling them everything that they feel like they don't hear from people in their community and school. That's how traffickers begin Mm. little by little sinking their hooks into developing what the the child feels, the teen, the youth, the homeless, whatever. They feel like they're actually in a relationship. And so then they leave on their own. They run away on their own. And so it's not, it's not kidnapping. Um, it's, it's a, it's fraud. It's, it's grooming, but it all starts on the internet. So I'd encourage parents to get some internet safety for their kids, take them Mm -hmm. to an internet safety class in your community. It's really important. Might not be a trafficker, but it could be just a bad guy in general. It's never going to hurt. And the internet isn't going away, right? Like things (laughs) are changing. Apps are happening all the time. There's a new one called whisper where people can tell their secrets. I don't know if you guys have heard of this one. We get it all the time with law enforcement. It's a new app that 13-year-olds mainly are using. You're able to tell your most deepest, darkest secrets with anonymity because it doesn't um, require any profile creation. So you can stay anonymous. You put a secret out there. Then you can also set the settings to be um, a certain proximity of people that can see it. So if it's like within 50 miles of myself, people can see my secret. And it's becoming really big and really dangerous because pedophiles Mm. are getting on there it's, it's not good. The internet isn't changing. It's growing. It's adapting. Get smart, get tools, talk to your kids, 
teach them self-control, teach them warning signs, you're going to be, you're going to feel a lot better instead of like, I just don't know how to navigate this tech thing. I'm going to have my 13 year old help me. I, I get yeah. that for things. Believe me, mm. I, have, I have to have my kid help me with stuff too. But there's also a point when it's like, now we also have to go te- learn from other people who are experts in safety, you know, and just, just stay safe. That's a huge, huge issue in human trafficking. Ooh, so Wisdom. Good. So good. Well, Rhonda asked, how do we keep an eye out and do our due diligence to help end trafficking? I mean, it's one thing to put a red X on our hand and to donate money. Um, but I, I know that I felt a tug to maybe call the police on a lady that I saw with a man panhandling one time that I just had that Holy Spirit inkling that I need to call the police and say, I don't think she's there on her own. What are some practical things that we can do? on our end to look for and to be vigilant about. Yes. So I love, you know, see something, say something. I know it sounds cheesy, but it's the truth. Mm. There's um, the human trafficking hotline. You can just Google human trafficking hotline. It comes right up. I can tell you the number, but you're not going to remember it right now. (laughs) Remember it when you see something (laughs) suspicious, but remember this, I was actually finally able to run because a neighbor saw something suspicious and a neighbor gave a tip. Neighbor mm. called a cop and said, something's going on with our neighbors. It's weird. There's a whole bunch of girls and one guy and really expensive cars. Mm. I think they're drug dealers. That's the tip. That's the tip that came through. That started an 18-month investigation that led to a federal raid that allowed me finally to grab my baby and run because he mm. couldn't chase me this time. And so tips help save lives. They help save not only traffic victims, but their children. Um, We run this online school, 90% of our students have at least one child. So this isn't just the mom that's being trafficked. You are saving potential generations of what could um, be really harmful for their children too. Single Mm -hmm. moms are hugely at risk to exploiters. They're vulnerable. They're living in sometimes poverty um, and traffickers target the vulnerable. If you close your eyes and think about who the most vulnerable population is in your city, that's who your trafficker's going after. So how can you be a support? How can you bring prevention? And one thing we offer if you buy our book is we have a free course called Find Your Lane, How to Identify Your Place in the Human Trafficking Movement. It's kind of a fun interactive quiz. And then it's a five minute short video per lane. So we have nine little short videos. Oh, awesome. Really dives into like, what is outreach? How would you get started? What are some groups nationally that are doing outreach really well that you could go get trained from or learned more? So we help point you to people that are doing really well in that specific lane. Um, so that you can get started. Because I think like your listener wrote in, it can feel really overwhelming of like fighting global slavery. You're like, oh gosh, right. where do I get started? I'll just write a red X <laughs> yeah. and call it a day. Right. Um, but you can actually do something even as little as just talking to your kids about the hypersexual world all the way to, right? Like start a nonprofit. Like there's so many things and a spectrum <laughs> all the way in between. So yeah, get the quiz, take, take the quiz, do the course and, and get started. That's amazing. You're, you're teaching us so much and how to love people better too, and how to, how to see things in our community and be aware. I mean, awareness is huge. So thank you for that. And thank you for those of you that left questions. And if you too want to be featured on an upcoming show with a question, or you just want to tell us about your own should show, feel free to call us at 315-308-0163 and also get on our Facebook group and interact with us on our socials. He said what? He said what? He said what?
All right. I just want to know, um, this week we're talking about our should that we should have in our life. And it's, it's always going to be based around what Jesus has taught us. And I think one of the greatest things that we see with Jesus is how he loves. So Rebecca, your book is called In Pursuit of Love. <laughs> so biblically, we know this is your lane for sure, that um, you do have Christian thought as a degree. And, and I want to <laughs> pick your brain here. Um, are, are there ways that you would say, how does Jesus love that you've seen him love, which causes us to then know how to love well? There's so, I mean, there's so many ways that you could dive into this, right? But the thing that comes to mind for me right now is, is just that going back to that process of how do you transform your life? How do you change your life? I literally ran mm. with nothing. I didn't have a pillow or a fork to my name. I slept on couches until I got on government housing. Like I had nothing. And, and not only that, but I was really hardened from six years of extreme trauma. Um, trauma from my trafficker, trauma from the people that bought me. Just a, a ridiculous amount of hardenedness that took a lot of chiseling from the Lord. And and then I got married and my, my pastor would be like, how can you even trust men after everything? you?" And it just so much that I felt God's done. It's like I said, it's not bibbidi-bobbidi-boo. He's not fairy godmother of like, oh, now I have amnesia. I don't have anything from my past. I'm suddenly, no, I'm saved. Aren't I perfect? Like it just, it doesn't work like that. And I still have so many areas character-wise that I struggle with. Like, oh, I could tell you my top five things I struggle with right now. You know, like, I think we're, it's always a process. We're always in a growth process and having grace for one another during that process is really important. Mm. Um, and a last, it was actually April. I've written down in my Bible right now. It says April, 2019. I wrote and I underlined this. I'd been really struggling with getting really getting angry. I was kind of getting quick tempered more than I normally should. It kept felt like that kept growing and I'd snap at the bank lady who made a wrong deposit in my account. I'd snap at the, you know, a doctor a lady in the office who was taking really long to get us in, like all the things that we all deal with. And I'm sure I'm not the only one who's had times when they've snapped at people, especially if you're in Enneagram 8, then you really struggle with this. But um, <laughs> I was praying and the Lord brought me to 1 Corinthians 13, which we all know is this mm. chapter on love. But what really stuck stuck out to me is where he says, chapter 13, verse 4, it says, love is patient and kind. Love does not envy. It doesn't boast. It's not arrogant or rude. It doesn't insist on its own way. It's not irritable or resentful. It doesn't rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. And I thought this whole time I've been praying for more patience and kindness. And really God was showing me, you need more love. Mm. You need love to endure that mm. bank teller who just deposited a very large donation into the wrong account and didn't catch it for a week. You need to, you need love to endure that 45 minute wait time because someone else is struggling in the back and you don't even know it, like just endure. And so the root of all of our fruits of the spirit at the root of it is love because Jesus is love. Mm -hmm. And, and I don't know that I, that I know, I don't know that I have necessarily like great tips on how to strengthen and get more love other than the more that you spend time with God and the more you spend in prayer and the more time you spend in your word, 
slowly the light continues to push out darkness. Just again, very briefly, I, I was sitting in my in a bath when I had like soap scum on the, on the sliding glass door, you know, how there's like showers that have a sliding glass door. And I remember thinking, I just cleaned that. That just happened. And the, and the Lord was like, that's how your heart is. It takes constant maintenance. It's Mm -hmm. constant maintenance to keep love growing in your life. It's constantly in the word. It's constantly in prayer. It's constantly in communication with Jesus. It's that maintenance that's going to help keep the soaps come off of your heart so that yeah. you can stay growing in love. And I love that. I love that. Hey, let's pray. So before we jump into prayer, we wanted to share how you can connect with Rebecca. Visit her website at rebeccabender.org and find her on Instagram at I am the letters Rebecca Bender. Did I, did I nail that or what? Yeah. Yeah. There's yeah. no A. It's just, I'm, I'm, I'm Rebecca Bender and also get her newest book called In Pursuit of Love. In this episode, you heard Rebecca's powerful story of moving from imprisonment to empowerment. It's a theme that was incredibly evident in our time in Kenya too. The children at Open Arms Village come from desperate situations of abuse, poverty, and neglect, but their past doesn't define them any longer as well. People like you every day provide the hope of the gospel and the love of a family for each one. And counselors offer trauma counseling to help them heal. To see a video about that from our time in Kenya, visit openarmsinternational.org and click the banner at the top of the page. Do it. And we discussed today how the love of Jesus, it changes everything, how it empowers you to love even greater. And for some of us, this could actually be really hard to comprehend because You know, maybe there's a relationship or an incident in your life that has caused you to isolate or put up walls of untrust. So we want to ask Rebecca to lead us in prayer, however she she feels led. And girl, will you pray for our listeners and just prophesy? Yes. Okay. God, we just thank you so much, Lord. You're such a good God. We thank you for Jenny and Candice. We thank you for their um, gifts that you've given them to articulate truth and wisdom and in a way that makes it fun for people to tune in. Thank you for them. God bless them. May you continue to open doors that no man can shut and move mountains that sit before them that weigh heavy on their heart. Lord, we all just come into agreement to bless them, Father. And Lord, we pray for each and every listener right now, anyone who's tuned in, anyone who's listened to the story, I pray a hedge of protection around them. I pray a stirring in their heart to continue to pursue you and all that you have for them, God. Lord, I pray for the mother that has this lost child that's just been on my heart throughout this whole podcast, God, whoever it is that's tuning in, Lord, that has someone lost. We just pray that this encourages her. We ask that you fill her with hope, that you fill her heart with hope. And Lord, we pray that the Christians Mm -hmm. around those who are lost would be faithful. We pray for each and every person that is lost, that the viewers know that they're praying for. We just ask that you surround them right where they're at in the pit of despair and that Christians around them would be faithful, (laughs) that they'd give them words of encouragement and help and support, that they would be used to tap on the shoulders of those who are lost. God, thank you. Thank you that you're with us in the midst of all of our chaos, all of our busy schedules, all of the hoopla of just trying to pursue more of you. Thank you that you sit with us and that you give us grace through the process. You're such a good God. Thank you. 
We love you, Lord. We praise you. Bless this day. Bless each and every person who's feeling called into the fight against human trafficking, whether it's in prevention or restoration or intervention, outreach, demand reduction, policy reform, whatever it is that they're feeling compelled to do something, Lord, we thank you. We thank you. You're sounding the alarm and that you're raising up an army that's going to protect those who are oppressed and at risk. We pray for those that are lost, that need have a sense of um, belonging and have a need for community. We pray that you provide that for them in a healthy way, God. We love you. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Yep. Amen. Hey, shut the should up, everybody. We'll talk to you next week. To share your should, call 315-308-0163. And you may be featured on an upcoming episode. If you've been inspired to stop shitting yourself, head over to iTunes and write a review and just give us all the stars. If there's one thing you're going to should yourself with, you should subscribe to our show so you don't miss an episode. See you next time.